And we're back to Heart Fails 73. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You went to church the other day. I did. Um, that was I, the first time in a long time, right? First time in a very long time. I also went to Mickey's Diner. First time in a long time. Okay. Um, both of those things, you know, very, very close to each other. Oh, really? Um, okay. Um, so no, it was a downtown St. Paul church? It was not. Okay. Um, Carry on. Physically, geographically, they were nowhere near each other. Excellent. Um, but... Interesting you brought it up in the story then. <laughs> but, well, there's a reason because um, uh, timeline wise, they happened very near each other, you know, within a couple days. And um, the experience that I had with the gentleman at Mickey's Diner uh, wasn't that far off from the experience that I had at the, the church that I went to. Okay, let's start off with the church first. Don't remember the name of it. Okay. Um, no worries. I wouldn't want you to mention it anyways. Even if I did, it was called. No, I, I don't remember the name of it. It was similar to the last church that I went to, um, okay. which was, it's basically a recovery church um, for addicts and things of that nature. Um, and it was recommended to my girlfriend, this church was, and she, she and I had had a conversation about, you know, getting back to church and back to Christianity together. Um, did she attend with you then? She did. Okay. Um, which was really cool. Um, another reason why... I really like her. Anyhow, yeah, so we went to this church, and it was the second time I've gone in, I want to say, like three years. The basis of their message is it's okay to not be perfect because God still loves you. That's the basis of their message. Um, Was there any mention of Jesus Christ coming to earth and dying for your sins? Very briefly, ever so briefly. Not, was it kind of assumed that people knew about this? No, no, it wasn't assumed, um, okay. which, which is good, because I feel like that's what I would have gotten had I gone to the church that I grew up in, which is a completely different style church um, than the one that I just went to. You know, Do you want to walk us through like the service, or do you just want to kind of give a broad overview? Uh, let, me, let me see what I can... Let me give you as much detail as I can. Excellent. I have a view in my head of what church is supposed to be like based on how I grew up. I don't necessarily know that I agree with that view, but it's just what I know. It's like a comfort food. Like it's what you're used to. It's kind of where your mind goes back to. Right. Even though I pushed it away because I didn't like it, it's still like normal to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I gotcha. Okay. So the first thing that I noticed um, going to this church was the person who opened the door for me was wearing a leather vest with no sleeves and had tattoos everywhere. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with having tattoos everywhere and being a Christian. Cool. I'm glad you came to God. That's wonderful. I was raised to put on your best clothes because you're going to worship God. So it kind of threw me. Whatever. No big deal, right? That's not the point. I'm trying to go to church. I actually wear usually jeans and a sweatshirt. <laughs> Would that bother you? Um, not as much as this did for some reason. Okay. It just, and it's, don't get me wrong because I have tattoos and I got my sleeveless shirts and, and when I'm on my motorcycle in the summer, that's what I'm wearing, dude. But we are in Minnesota and it is really cold out right now as well. Well, and and it was, but it's church, you know, and I feel like there's a certain level of respect that you're supposed to have when you're going there. And I, I, I don't, it could just be the way I was brought up. Anyways, that was the first thing that hit me. 
The second thing that I thought was interesting, and I'm not saying that this was bad by any means because I thought it was kind of cool, but they had like a little coffee shop inside where you could go buy a sandwich, you know, for breakfast, or you could buy like a, you know, like a, a latte, if you will. Um, have yourself a little cappuccino and a croissant. A caramel macchiato. If that's, you, like, that's like 800 calories. You do not want to have one of those I, every single day. I really want to have one now. That um, sounds delicious. Yeah, it does. I'm sorry. I'm sidetracking. The no, story no, you're here. fine. I thought it was cool in a way. Um, in a way, I thought it was weird. But then I sort of equated it to the, uh, you know, the free coffee and the donuts and the cookies that were in the basement of my Lutheran church growing up, too. So I don't know. It was whatever. It was just new. I'd never seen anything like that before. Third thing that I noticed was all the instruments on stage, the guitars and the drums behind the plastic sound screen, you know, um, and, you know, some lights shining from, you know, like some overhead lights just kind of illuminating the, the instruments um, before any of the service started, just as we were kind of coming in. And I was like, okay, so, you know, back when I was a kid, we would have been like, oh, this is going to be one of those contemporary services where they have, like, guitars instead of just a... You know, 92-year-old lady playing the organ. So, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I was like, all right, well, we'll see. And then I noticed that it was pretty empty. And, you know, uh, she and I, we sat in the back, the back row. And uh, like you do when you're at a new church. Right. I mean, I, you know, I mean, she's like, where do you want to sit? And I'm like, in the back. And she's like, I like to sit in the front for everything because I like to pay attention and learn. Cool. We're sitting in the back. <laughs> like, if you want to sit in the front... I'll see you after, uh, but I'm sitting in the back, lady, okay, because I have no business up there uh, as far as I'm concerned. I, I'll be back here. I don't know any of these people. I don't know anything. Next thing I noticed was um, the faint smell of alcohol uh, because I don't drink. So I noticed that I could smell the alcohol seeping out of somebody's pores. Okay. How, let's, how many people are there? 30. Okay. Um, pretty big church, pretty small church. It'll be about the size of like a, a um, middle school gymnasium. Okay. Okay. And it's all, you know, not folding chairs, but, you know, uh, you know, cushioned chairs, yeah, yeah. you know, all lined up. No pews, nothing like that. It's kind of like, it looked like it was an old office building that was kind of converted to a church. Anyways, the point is, is that uh, everything was just completely different than what I'm used to. And so I'm noticing all these things which are sort of off-putting because it's not what the norm. It's not comfort food, as you put it. There's a guy in there who's wearing a, a ball cap uh, the whole time with, with his fishing glasses on the brim. I, what? That, you're, you can't even take off your hat in the house of God? I mean, I, I don't know. And, and maybe I'm just old. I mean, whatever. It's fine. So the service starts, and the first thing that happens is the it's it's uh, worship time. It's, their, it's the band comes out. They all play, and they sing some songs and they put the words up on the screen and you can follow along. I know none of these hymns because they're not in the, they're not in the Lutheran hymnal. Uh, it's all, you know, new songs. Mm -hmm. And were you paying attention to the words? I was. Okay. And a lot of them sound like a bunch of the word that you would use to describe them would be fluff. And it was a lot of, uh, you know, you don't even necessarily know that they're singing about God. I mean, you do know, but you don't, you know, is it a lot of emotion, just kind of like emotional repeating phrases over and over? Yes, and yes. Like, uh, we're going to sing the chorus three times, and it's pretty simplistic. That's a lot of what it was. One of, one of my buddies and I were talking about that. Actually, you know him as well. But either way, the, the substance of modern-day 
Christian music. Like there doesn't seem to be very much substance to it. But when you do go back to the classic hymns, like you, in the hymns of your you're learning doctrine. Correct. Yeah. You're learning about God, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to be uh, t- uh, consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Hark the voice of Jesus crying, who will go and work today. Fields are ripe and harvest waiting. Who will be the sheaves? You know, a mighty fortress is our God, is my favorite hymn of all time. Old school 262 in the Lutheran hymnal. And man, that hymn when it is sung in a full church and you get that echo and people are into it and they mean what they're singing and they care about the words, it gives you chills. I'm getting chills just you talking it's about it, actually. beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. I completely agree. And the songs that they were singing, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong, you know, for all intents and purposes, there's nothing wrong with the songs or the message that the songs were trying to convey. They were trying to convey, and, 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 and they did, uh, use this word in the songs, Hope. They were trying okay. to convey hope. I think some people that maybe are coming in there, they're coming out of some really rough situations. Like I said, it's a recovery church, so there's a lot of addicts. You know, the van pulls up with the guys from the treatment center or whatever, and they get out, they go into church, and, you know, I mean, they're, they're going through some hard times, yeah, and yeah. they need some hope, and, and I totally get it. But there was nothing really beyond that. It was hope, 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 hope springs eternal, hope, hope, hope. And what they missed out on was hope is hope isn't a thing. Like, like with God, you don't need hope. You don't have to hope for anything when you have God because you already got it. You already know what's going on. And I was kind of waiting for them to like portray that message and say, hey, listen, you know, right now you're hoping for something. Well, here's what you've been hoping for. It's right here in front of you, and now you don't have to hope anymore because I got the answer, and that part never came. I don't know. That, that bothered me. Can I blow your mind for a second? Blow my mind, bro. I don't have too much written on this piece of paper. I can't see it from that far away. Okay. Anyways. Can you read the Hebrews? I do not read Hebrew very well. Yes, it's uh, Hebrews 2. Nope. Okay. Um, Hebrews... 11. Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't it say Hebrews 11? Oh, yeah. you wanted me to read it. No, I okay. Mean, I thought we were he- talking Roman numerals no, here. No, no, no. My he- bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two dashes. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I'm going to go back. So that's the first three verses of chapter 11. That's the only, like, what, one of the very few things that, but I thought that matches up perfectly. With, it, it does. Yeah. It does. And I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up because I do remember learning that verse. Specifically, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. I remember learning that, mm-hmm. you know, in grace. Nothing surrounding it, but just that specific verse. But you didn't get the impression that that was what they were singing about, per se, or they didn't reference that, or... No, it was just, uh, you need some hope because you're in a rough spot. You know, that was it. I, I like how you're, 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 not, you're not necessarily criticizing this experience. You're, you no. understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Absolutely. To a certain extent. Um, well, 
I'm going to be the one that maybe criticizes this. Well, well so. I mean, before you do, let me okay, say this. Okay, carry on. Okay, th- there was a portion in John where they talk about, uh, where John talks about Jesus being the stairway to heaven, right? He's the bridge to heaven. Uh, I, I, I would need a chapter and a verse. It's between chapter one and three. I can tell you that. Stairway to heaven. Yeah, it, I, maybe, maybe bridge to heaven. Maybe he's the, he bridges the gap between earth and heaven before we, uh, oh man, he's laid out. Basically, it's, man, I cannot, I can't read Is this from the, the church, you mean? No, nope, nope, this nope. is from my reading of John. Oh, okay. okay. And um, there is a verse in there where it references Man, I will I will look. I can't recall right now. You're looking. Here's the point. The point is is that if Jesus bridges the gap or is the way to heaven, the stairway to heaven, if he's laid out before us and we can climb him to get to heaven, we use him to get to heaven, I think that maybe the message that this church was conveying is that that there needs to be some sort of some sort of gap in order to some sort of bridge to get to him. You know, like these people do need hope, and maybe this is the first step in many steps. You know, so that's why I wouldn't criticize it necessarily. I just wish they would have given some more steps beyond the first one. Okay, so the let's go talk about the sermon now. So, uh, were you talking about the sermon right now? No, I was talking about my reading. Um, okay, and then just kind of this church's general idea. But they had they have the worship music first. That's pretty. It's kind of. Like the coffee shop and the come as you are and it was just doing awkward. the music beforehand, more contemporary, more just uh, it that, was just all weird. Well, to me. it's I I I I don't want to say I shopped around because I didn't really necessarily shopped around. Like I was pinpointing which churches I was going to. Sure, um, and I usually listen to sermons before I actually step foot into the church. But I have noticed that it, it's kind of the modern par for course. Is they're really trying to make church seem accessible? Yeah, they want everyone to feel comfortable coming in there. And they certainly mentioned that. You know, that's why this guy's at the door. That's why he's shaking your hand. That's why everybody's saying hello to you because, you know, come as you are, and and you know, God accepts you as who you are, and just come on in and. And, and listen, and that's a good first step. It is a really great first step because it gets you in the door and it gets you to understand that God loves you and will accept you because you're his child. And that's a wonderful thing. But there's got to be another step after it. And it never came. Um, basically, the sermon was, was mostly about telling others about God. Um, he, at some point in time, he brought up a big, like, pane glass window, right? Um, had, like, a, it was kind of like a door that had, like, you know, six windows on it, you know, and one of the panes was missing, and he was kind of talking about um, how Paul went through so much stuff. He was imprisoned and all of these things, and what did he do while he was in prison? He used the things that happened to him to talk to people about God. And he kind of stuck his head through the window and was like, listen, there's a, there's a window of opportunity here where I can talk to somebody new about God, about Jesus. And that was, that was pretty cool. Didn't necessarily touch base on 
what we're talking about. You know, what about God? That he died for our sins, you know, that kind of, it wasn't necessarily about that. It was just, let me take this opportunity to talk to somebody new about Jesus and hope. Okay. I mean, that's, that was kind of cool. And he, he did go through a couple, a couple different um, um, passages in the Bible. I wish I would have written them down while I was in there. I wish I could remember things like I used to, but I certainly can't. What I did find interesting was he took things from certain passages and he highlighted something completely different in the passage than what I would have had highlighted to me as a child. You know, I, like, if there's two sentences in this one Bible verse, I knew the first sentence from my childhood, and he focused on the second sentence. And I thought it was very strange. Strange in a bad way. Um, strange in an unsettling way. Just strange. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a bad way. It wasn't really unsettling either. It was just a very unique way of getting to the message that he was trying to portray or convey, excuse me. It sounds like his message is, you're here, now go get another and bring them in. And I know that that's what it sounds like. I don't necessarily think that it was that about the church. Okay. But it was about... Christ. You okay. Know? The thing is, is that I don't know how I'm supposed to go tell somebody about Jesus and take this window of opportunity that's presented itself and go tell this person about Jesus when I don't know what the heck we're talking about. I feel like you and I, I got to decide if I want to talk about this in this way. Well, and I apologize if I confused you or no. anybody else listening because I was just rambling for a minute there. And this is only a first impression. Would you go back? No. Okay. What I've noticed in the modern church, and here's the thing, though. It, there's nothing modern about it. I, I mentioned the last episode that I listened to Martin Lloyd-Jones. Oh, uh, He was 1969, I think, is when he ended his 30-year ministry. Oh, wow. So he has... 1,600 sermons online that you can listen to that I'm getting my way to listen to all of them <laughs> kind of thing. All right. But, uh, and they're all 40 to 50 minutes long. That's one of the things that from growing up and we grew up in a, a similar church where, you know, if the pastor's taken 18, 19, 20 minutes in the sermon, people are pointing at their watches and being like, wrap it up, pastor. Yep. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, and that was the biggest change to me. And that's what you listened to the Alistair Bakes sermon. You probably maybe didn't realize it, but it was 40 some minutes long. Yeah. And I mean, I sat in my driveway because I listened to it in the car on the way home. And I sat in my driveway and, and finished it because and I, I were wanted you captivated to, yeah, by it. Because yeah. I wanted to. I, what's tell me more. He's he's expounding the scriptures. He's <clears throat> he's actually digging in there and he, he probably read the whole chapter at the beginning of the sermon, you know, he took five minutes to read the whole chapter, and then he spent the next 40 minutes trying to take as much out of it as he could in that time frame. It's so interesting that you say that because that's exactly what I was trying to analyze during this service was like, did, you know, like, okay, what on earth is this guy getting at? And what did he do? Did he like, did he have this planned out? I mean, what what does this guy's work week look like? Hey, you know, I'm just going to, you know, like do some business stuff for the church for uh, six days, five days. I'm going to take a day off. And then uh, Sunday, oh, yeah, I guess I got sermons. So uh, 
I better get up at 7 so that I can uh, take these four verses out of here. How can I throw this together? It, it, it kind of reminded me, I was thinking to myself, like, this is how I got through high school. You know, you like open a book, take something. And, and this just, is the church that you just went to. Yeah. That's just, kind of the impression that just, you just kind of thrown together. Like, yeah, he was just trying to throw something together to get a kind of like a passing grade. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I don't. And compare it to Alistair Beggs then. Oh, man. I mean, I couldn't follow where this guy was going most of the time. Alistair Beggs, man, that dude was clear, concise, spoke straight to my heart was captivating, was interesting, and it was all Scripture-related. And the church that I was at wasn't necessarily all Scripture-related. It was more, how can I relate to you? Here's a little bit of Scripture that will that we're going to read, and then I'm going to take this eight words, and then I'm going to tell you the story of what Paul did based on these eight words. Okay. And... I mean, what, what he was trying to do was he was trying to make Paul relatable to us. Like, okay, so this happened to Paul. He went to prison, and what did he use that opportunity for? He talked to the prison guard about, about God and the prison guard, you know, or the governor or whatever about God. And then, and then from the governor, you know, he got, he got fired, and there was a new governor, and that governor, Paul talked to him about God. And that governor brought him to somebody else, and he talked to that guy about God. I guess it sounds like... He, his sermon is trying to get you to be like Paul to a certain extent. Correct. Alistair Begg's sermon wanted to reconcile you to God. I think that's a really excellent way of putting that. I, listening to a lot of different sermons, it's, it's not a self-help thing. It's not a we're going to make you a better person. We're, we're going to make you... Uh, live a happier life. We're going to improve your relationships with people on earth. That's That should never be the focus of a church or the sermon. The church and the sermons should always deal with the personal relationship between the listener and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And if you're not concentrating on Jesus Christ in your sermon and what it means to be reconciled to God, it's, it's basically my opinion that you're failing. Um, granted, there are some scriptures where you're, you're expounding that maybe there is a, a slightly offset from specifically concentrating on the gospel message, but in reading scripture with my family and family worships and in reading it privately and listening to sermons, the thing that I've realized only recently within since becoming a Christian, I never realized this in the past throughout my schooling, throughout anything, was every single thing in the Bible points to Jesus. Everything, even numbers, even judges, even all these peripheral things that we maybe never even spent time on. It was always like, well, yeah, the Passover lamb points to Jesus and these these really obvious things, but it's also the not so obvious because the Bible isn't about man. The Bible is about Jesus, and it's a guidebook for how we as fallen human beings are reconciled to God the Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if the sermon isn't 
concentrating on reconciling us to God through Jesus Christ, it's my opinion that it's failing. Well, I think, I think that's, you know, when I said that there's like that, there's this bridging of the gap, you know, like that's great that they took a first step to get me in there. And I think that's the step that I'm talking about them missing. Like, cool. I get it. I, I understand everything this man is trying to do to this point. Now what? And I'm like, I'm waiting for something. It's like, I'm, I'm, what's the point? What are you talking about? Is there a point to any of the stuff you're talking about? And the point is Jesus, but he never got to the point. The other obvious thing that I think people take for granted is human beings don't think they're that bad. Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah. So if you're not convicting people of sin, you're not doing anything for them. If you look at what Paul actually wrote, if you look at Jesus' sermons, John the Baptist's sermons, uh, Peter's sermons, uh, Stephen before he was stoned, what he was doing, what all of them were doing, were convicting the audience of sin and saying, you're in darkness, you're heading to perdition. The wrath of God is coming. The only thing that will save you is the Messiah. That is the only thing that will save you. You must believe in Jesus. Repent and believe as his and believe in his name and you will be saved. So it it kind of makes me sad when I do kind of hear these these hope and kind of feel good messages and God is love and God loves you and the God is love is true but you need to understand that God is so much more than just love he's just he's holy he's righteous and if the pastor or if the church isn't giving that full message unfortunately i can say that it seems to be a false gospel and you know granted it could just be one sermon but it's one of those things where today could be the last day you don't want to mix your message you don't want to skimp out on the gospel message you got it you no, got something no no oh. but, th- but i mean that's i think that's what needs to be heard like i think a long time ago you and i started talking about this whole thing about going to church and hearing what you need to hear while you're there. Like like you said, we grew up in similar churches when, when we were young. If I were to go into that church and listen to the message, I'm, I feel like what I would hear is, you're a Christian, here's what you need to do. Go it's make- almost the same message, isn't it? it? it you're a Christian... Our hope is in heaven. You're good. Right. And don't get corrupted by the world outside. Right. And now I'm walking into this church and I'm struggling and I need to hear. I don't, you know, how can I put this? All right, listen, I don't, um, I don't sugarcoat stuff with my kids most of the time. You know, I have a son that has some special needs and uh, he struggles with, with, with things. And I tell him. You know, he gets frustrated and he comes to me, which is awesome. Um, and he's like, Dad, I, I'm, I'm angry because this is happening. And I say, listen, man, 
the only thing you can control is yourself. Yeah, that person's going to make you mad. You can't control what that person does, right? You can't control, you know, what they do. You can't control if somebody else is going to stop that person from angering you. And it's going to be like this your whole life. You think it's just now? It's not. One day when you're 38 years old, you're going to be sitting at work and somebody's going to say something and it's going to tick you off. And the only thing you can do is control how you react to it. And I don't sugarcoat things with them. I let them know life sucks. People are brutal. You know, like the world is a craptastic place at times. I don't want my church to sugarcoat things with me. I don't want them to tell me, oh, baby, it's going to be okay. You know, you, oh, you, you had a bad day. Come on into church. Let me kiss your boo-boo and send you back out and everything's going to be fine. I don't want that. Prepare me for what I need to face. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me how to fix it. Tell me why I even want to fix it. And, and, and tell me every single time I'm there. Not just once. Every single time I walk through the door, I want to hear, this is what you did wrong. This is how you fix it. And this is why you need to fix it. Because Jesus loves you. And you have a place in heaven. If you do this, that's what I need. I feel like I got to kind of turn around. But Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He told that to the Jews before he was ever crucified. They knew what a cross meant. It was the most horrible, painful means of punishing a criminal ever devised by man. Nowadays, there's almost a joke in the world. Oh, it's my cross to bear. Like, oh, I stubbed my toe. It's my cross to bear. Or, oh, you know, I ate too much food. It's my cross to bear. That's not what it means in the biblical sense. When somebody <laughs> is truly a follower of Jesus, it is promised that they will suffer. A follower, a Christian, is going to be persecuted is going to be mocked, is going to be spit upon, is going to have a very difficult, stressful, painful, uncomfortable life. And I think that's one of the lies throughout the history of churches is they try and say, they put on that smile, you know, the smile when you go into a church, the happiness, like, oh, hi, great yep. to see you, help I, I think that's one of the plagues of the church because Jesus was a man of sorrows. A Christian recognizes that their life is going to be hard. It's You're not going to get a new house. You're not going to get a new car. You're not going to have this wonderful, easy life because you found God. It's actually the complete opposite. You are going to suffer as a follower of Christ. And that's exactly what happened in Rome at the initial church, is they were being persecuted, they were being round up. That's what Paul was doing, was gathering Christian people up and killing them or putting them in prison. He was on the road to Damascus to do that. And then Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, actually, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul fell to his knees, and he was trembling, and he was feared, and he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
And just like that, Paul's entire world was flipped upside down because God himself was in front of him. The blaring, shining light that was making him fearful and trembling. It it was obvious this is God. And God told him he was Jesus. That is a complete fight club Tyler Durden (laughs) moment. Sure. Where it's yeah. your whole percept. I got a paradigm fi- shift for you. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Bus stop. Guy standing at the bus. Bus driver pulls up to him. Guy gets on the bus. He's blind. It's quite obvious he's blind. A man stands up, says, here, you know, take, take my seat. Please sit here. Then that other man gets off the bus, and the blind man now has a seat. Was that a good and righteous thing for that other man to do? I'm sure. The guy who got off the bus was the bus driver. Oh. That's called the paradigm shift. It completely changes your perspective on whether something is good or wrong or right or whatever. Because you don't want a blind man driving your bus. And I think that's a good analogy for a lot of professed Christian churches and even professed just Christians today is if you actually talk to them or if you actually sit down and listen and analyze the messages, compare it to Scripture. It tends to fall short with some people. The Actually, even the world's perception of what it means to be a Christian has seeped into the church where... Oh, yeah. Where, the, where people in the church will actually say, oh, yeah, that's my cross to bear, not understanding at all what the biblical context is. And that's why it's so important to read Scripture. And that's why I, I suggested to you, hey, you know, you can go to a church or you can go and try out churches, but I think the most important thing for you to do is get into the Bible. Read the Bible. Daily. If you can't get, if you're busy, I get it. But set aside five, ten minutes whenever you can. And you don't have to go through all of the scriptural connections and all that kind of stuff, which you were doing, which is awesome. Well, I'm going to. Excellent. Because that's just how I'm going to read it. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and Did you I'm, find something there, by the way? <clears throat> no, man. I'm going okay. to I'm gonna have to find it another time. But okay. I know what's in there. I read it, and I, like... Because I, I equated it to like Led Zeppelin, and I was like, "Oh, the stairway to heaven." <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I was like, "Well, because it, it didn't say that exactly, but it, it I, I, man, I'm gonna, I'll find it. That's okay. On the next one. So I apologize. I kind of stepped over your, your, your response to my paradigm shift. Well, okay. So the message from the church was that I went to was, you don't have to be perfect to talk to others about God. That was one. That was you know the last podcast that was the one thing that i i got out of them that i thought was that was good it's one thing that i took away that that i've carried with me you don't want a blind man driving your bus you know those two things kind of contradict but kind of not i think you know and i think that's the way i looked at things prior to getting that one little bit of message before because i felt like a hypocrite right i don't want to teach my kids about god because first of all i don't know what i you know know I don't know what I believe. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be a hypocrite who's telling them this is, this is what you, but then at the same time, yeah, right. I don't need to be perfect in order to let them know, Hey, but, but I'm not necessarily driving the bus. 
I think I'm on the bus with them, and I just didn't look at it quite that way before. I, I looked at it before. I was like, I don't want to drive this bus, man. We're all going straight to hell if I'm driving. But now I, I, I think I kind of look at it as I'm just a passenger with them. I, I don't need to be perfect. We can learn together. I don't know. That would be my response to your paradigm shift. But I, I do like the fact that, that I like the fact that I was able to kind of go in there with an open mind. My gal and I both went in there uh, with an open mind. She was Methodist growing up. She had the almost the identical thoughts that I did after we got out and we chatted about it. She's like, well, what did you think? And I was like, eh. And she's like, okay, I have so many things to say. She's like, first of all, that's not how a church is supposed to be. It's really weird, you know, and like almost all the exact same thoughts. And then, you know, she's like, you know, we got to find a better church, um, one that's more suitable for us, you know. I don't want to go back to the to the church that I grew up in, but we definitely don't need a recovery church. And maybe there's something in the Have middle. I got a church for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such an awkward pause. <clears throat> oh, we have to wrap this up. I want to read the next few verses of Hebrews 11 here, really quick. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That was the key right there that I wanted to have from Hebrews 11 about faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you continue in my ways, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I really think that's the key takeaway from all of this that we've talked about this today and then the last episode as well. Earnestly seek him. Earnestly. Don't get caught up in the, the human analogy of do I need to do this or do I need to do that. Just seek him, and he'll come to you. He promises you. He promises everybody, I will come to you. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's what I can attest to completely. Once I knew the truth, it was not my doing. It was completely God. And I felt free for the very first time. You're finally answering a question that I asked without even knowing that you're answering it. And that's the beauty of having these conversations with you, is that when I ask you a direct question, you have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, somehow, I'm heavily <laughs> medicated. Have I told the audience that? Somehow, though, <laughs> through all this um, weaving and winding and uh, babbling, you answer the question that I asked 
podcasts Was ago. It like the first <laughs> podcast, and it it's it's basically uh, and when we talked about it in the last one, which is so there's nothing I can do to become a Christian. It's all God, but you just answered it, and it's earnestly seek me, and I will come to you. So there is something that I can do. There is something that I need to do as a human. I need to reach out and seek him. I need to desire knowledge. I need, I need to f- want to find God, and then he will come to me because he promises. But that is something that I need to do. I can't just, I can't just sit around and wait. Be like, yeah, man, I'm trying to become a Christian, so I go into this uh, little square booth every couple weeks. I listen to Adam ramble about Lord knows what he's talking about in there. And, uh, you know, God comes up. I let him know, you know, what's going on. And, uh, you know, pretty soon Jesus is going to save me and everything's going to be great. And la-di-da. That's not how it works. I actually have to sit down and open this book when we're not here. I actually have to read the entire chapter of John chapter 4, not just, you know, the first three sentences and then be like, "Eh, hey, cool, Mandalorian. You know, I can't do that. I I have to earnestly seek him. But at the same time, you could be driving home and God could reveal himself to you. Absolutely, he could. Absolutely, he he could, like he did to Paul. Saul. Saul, Paul. Saul. Saul? Yeah, like he did to him. You know, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely possible. Should I wait around for that to happen or should I seek him? You should seek the Lord while he can be found. Now we're doing riddles. We're doing it again. That's actually in the Bible, though, I'm, I believe. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I don't understand, and when you throw them at me, I'm... I apologize. We are going to get kicked out of the lovely Egan, Minnesota, Westcott Library any minute now. Yep. Are they looking at us? No. Okay. No. This has been awesome today. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Yeah, Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, by the time anyone listens to this, it will probably be a week or two later. <laughs> but that's all right. Either way, one of the things I want to point out as well is we usually have hour long conversations outside of the booth before and after this happens. And also, none of those make any sense either, <laughs> <laughs> just so everybody's aware. I'm so. <laughs> Uh, I can't See, follow. This is documented though. <laughs> if there's ever any doubt that I think that I know any everything, <laughs> like this is evidence, I can show people. No, no, listen right. to me talk. I really have no idea what to say or what to do. Like the sermon you listened to, you're a faulty human being. Put your. I mean, I I guess this is your takeaway. Put your trust in God. That God will work even through you as a faulty, sinful human being. Is that a good takeaway for this? It, it is a good takeaway. I, final thought that I that I have in regards to it is is that one thing that I kept thinking was I just I wish so many of these denominations could just somehow all come together and throw out all those stupid things because everybody's ultimately trying to get to the same place man they're just doing it in different ways and it was just like it's almost heartbreaking to think about it almost heartbreaking to just like this guy disagrees with that guy and this guy disagrees with that guy and everybody's talking about the same thing we all want to go to heaven we all want to have eternal life we're going to talk about that more next time final thought you already said it happy thanksgiving everybody 